I think there's a lot they can learn in all startups. I mean, Google, remember, Google 20 years ago was also a startup. There was search before Google search. If we all remember, we had search before. But all the other search products were not as efficient, great, helpful, and useful as the product that they came up with. Hello and welcome to the AOU podcast, Entrepreneur Leadership in Africa, where we explore more on being a bold entrepreneur leader. I'm your host, Savannah Ulo, and today I have with me Msamo Masito. If you're an aspiring or already established marketeer on the continent, then this name is not news to you. Mzamo is the current CMO of Google Africa, and he prides himself in living his life with a very interesting formula you might find useful as you listen to today's session. He also touches on his passion for Africa and how this generation and those to come can really be the change we would like to see. Today, we talk about brands and branding. Do you know the difference between brand image, brand equity, and brand identity? Do you also know what it takes to build a good reputation with your clientele? Well, stay tuned and know it all. Join us as we uncover a whole new world from our diverse community of entrepreneurial leaders. Ladies and gentlemen, join me in welcoming Amzamo Masito. So, thank you so much for being on the podcast with us today, Mzamo. I hope I didn't butcher your name because I wouldn't want to ruin that on an international platform. But either way, thank you so much for taking time out to, you know, give us some gems and share on this podcast today. Mzamo, it's correct. Great. So I decided to kick off this episode with a small icebreaker, as I usually do. And, you know, it certainly seems that you're indeed much better at formulas than many of us. So please share with us what these formulas mean. GR equals W plus SV, and SV is greater than W. And how did you come up with them? Oh, that formula I learned from a gentleman, a wise gentleman in India. And he said to me that a great reputation equals winning plus strong values or times strong values. And what he was really saying was that if you want to build anything, you build it on a reputation. If you want to build trust, you must have a reputation that allows people to trust you. And the only way you can, one of the ways to do that, you need two things. One, you need to get things done and win. People love winners, like in football or sport. We love winners. We follow the clubs that win. We love them. We wear their jerseys. When they are not winning, we stop wearing their jerseys. We hate the coach. We hate the players. So winning matters. You have to be willing to win. And then he said to me, but that is just what you do. Then you have to multiply or add how you do it, which is your values. And then you have to wrap winning in values. And then you must have strong values of integrity, respect, excellence, competency, all of those values. Because people do not just remember what you've won. They also remember how you've won. So if you look at If you look at politicians, many of them, they are bad on what and how. They are bad on winning. They are bad on values. Some of them are good at both. Some are good at 
values, but they are bad at winning. Same if you look at sport. The players that we like the most, and some of them who have gone down in history with a bad reputation, for example, if you look at Tiger Woods, Tiger Woods is an amazing winner, but he had a, a values challenge, and that weakened his reputation. So everything in life is that you find that even in your life, you need to be careful that you have a fair balance between your values and winning, but you must not win at all cost, and that you're even willing to sell your values, your soul for winning, because then it will, in the long run, it will, you will have a bad reputation anyway. And what you are selling is a reputation. And then when it says great reputation, greater, sorry, values greater than winning, what it basically means is that whatever happens, if you are in a situation where your values are being compromised at, and, you, and you, you should never prioritize, over-prioritize or over-index on winning at the expense of your values. Your values must always be greater than your need to win because your values are long-term Winning is short-term. You can win now, lose tomorrow, but your values, you can't be compromising values and then have to rebuild a value. It takes a long time to build values, and it takes a second to destroy a value. But you can win and lose. Like all great players, they win, they lose, but overall they win, but they also lose. But when you lose on values, it is very difficult to recover. It takes a long time to be trusted again, to have strong reputation again. So that's what really what that equation means. It's a reminder even to myself that I must win, but I must do it with strong values. Right, great, yeah. Thank you so much for that. Well, to an awfully good start with a podcast episode. Thank you, thank you so much for that. So moving on off the icebreaker and straight into the episode, the 2010 FIFA World Cup that was held for the first time in Africa and South Africa introduced the world to the Vuvuzela. You were the World Cup 2010 lead at the time as a brand director of Nike. How did this global event support the wannabe, for lack of a better word, entrepreneurs who strive to build their brands and startups to take advantage of this um, economic opportunity? I think... Okay, I'm not going to use the word wannabe because I don't understand right. it. Because I don't think it's fair to the person right. who's trying. Because if you're trying, you are trying. That's how we start. We all start with trying. We all start with the promise and the vision and the hope and dreams. So to be called a wannabe, it's not fair because you are trying, you are hustling. So they're just an entrepreneur. They're just an entrepreneur, but not one that is successful yet. So what it did for me in World Cup is that, number one, it introduced the entrepreneur to a broader audience. It introduced it to a global audience, which is kind of what all entrepreneurs should be thinking about, is you should have an idea and a solution that can be scaled globally. You should never have solutions that are just only your market If you're thinking big enough, you can have a solution that serves your market, but 
when you serve Rwanda or Cote d'Ivoire, you should also be able to serve the rest of Africa. Then you should be able to serve the rest of the world. So your mindset should be local yet global. So what it did for most of the entrepreneurs that I noticed was that it helped them think more globally while being local. And it helped them serve a, a broader audience. The second thing it taught the markets, it taught the entrepreneurs, and it did well for the entrepreneurs, was to see that even brands that are not the sponsor of the World Cup can win the World Cup. You can actually be Nike and not be the official sponsor like McDonald's or Adidas or a company or Coke, but you can still dominate the World Cup with cleverness, entrepreneurship, with um, never done before innovation. You can cut through with less budget, even though, though, even though other brands have spent more. You can spend a quarter of what they spent and achieve 5x more than they've done. What it did teach the entrepreneurs is that you can be resourceful, you can work with less and deliver more. Right. All right. All right. So touching on a personal brand or a startup's brand, um, how would you describe a brand and other related items like brand image, brand identity, brand equity um, for a startup or an entrepreneur? Which one is the most important and how does one build them? I think before you even think about a brand, you yeah. first have to be thinking about what is the problem you are solving and what is the need or unmet need you are solving. Because people are not buying your brand or product, they are buying a solution. So what is the solution that you are providing? Because that's what we buy. We don't buy your brand per se, we don't buy your product, we are buying the solution and then that solution makes a great brand. That solution, which is the promise that you are giving us, and that's what the brand then does. It's a promise that your solution will work. It's a promise that the solution that you're providing us, you will do it consistently over time. It's a promise that you will do it competently over time and consistently. So the brand really is just a sum of the promise, the solution done competently over time and consistently over time. That's all you're doing with the brand. And that's why for me, I always say to people, please stop being so excited that you came up with a great brand name. It doesn't matter. What matters is, do you have a great solution to this consumer's unmet need or there might be someone already offering that solution but you come up with a better solution and then that's what you're selling you are selling a better solution than product A product Z and you are now coming into a market that already has solutions and you are saying to the consumer my solution is better in this way it will save you 50% of the cost, but 10x of the value. It will save you time. It will do this. It will be cleaner. It will remove stains faster. It will do this. And so that's what you are selling is a solution that ends up making the brand. 
Right. So as the chief marketing officer of Google Africa, which I would love to know what your experience has been like in that position, um, the resources at your disposal are exceptionally immense compared um, to an example of a 19-year-old first-time entrepreneur in one of the African countries. How can they build their brands with limited resources as a starting point? And what tools, if any, can they leverage? I think there's a lot they can learn in all startups. I mean, Google, remember, Google 20 years ago was also a startup. Larry and Sergey were also young entrepreneurs doing their PhDs and they were young and they were entrepreneurial. And, but one thing they did well though, that we can learn from them. First, they found a great solution. There was search before Google search. If we all remember, we had search before, but all the other search products were not as efficient, great, helpful, and useful as the product that they came up with. They came up with a better product, a better solution to search. And then what they did as well, which is great that we can learn from as entrepreneurs or startups is they wrapped it in great mission. They had a great mission and the Google mission is organize the world's information. That's a great mission and make it universally accessible and useful and helpful. That in itself already is the reason why I joined Google is because that mission appeals to me. It's very inclusive. It includes Africa. We want to organize the world's information. We want to make it universally accessible, which basically means we want to make it for everyone. And we want to also make it useful and helpful. Now they wrapped their great solution in a great mission. They don't only stopped there, they also wrapped it in a great values, which is there's only one value at Google is respect. You respect the user, you respect the opportunity, and we respect each other. And now you've got three things, a great solution, great mission, a great values value, and then They then went out and found great talent. They surrounded themselves with very intelligent people who share the mission, who share the value, who also share in making the product even greater, in making the solution even better. So if you look at Google or even search and you go and watch like a search on, on YouTube, or you watch another um, it's called um, trillions of questions. Right. There are no easy answers on YouTube. You can see how every day these talented, gifted people are trying to make search solution better. They're trying to make it. They don't rest. There's always something to do. There's always something new to learn. There's deep ranking. There's deep learning. There's AI. There's machine learning, there's quantum computing. There's a lot that they have to learn to try and make sure that search gets better. So already you can see that from the search of Google startup 20 years ago, we can learn that you need a great solution, you need a great mission, you need a great values, 
And you need a great team of highly talented and gifted people to make sure that you grow a successful company. And what would you say your personal experience has been like being the CMO of Google Africa so far? My experience has been great in the sense that, remember I joined because of the mission and I joined because of the values and that mission and the values still stand. And people are respectful to each other and that we respect the user and everyone respects the opportunity of bringing that mission to life. Whether you work in search, you work in YouTube, you work in Geo or Maps, or you work in Chrome, or you work in Android, or you work in Alphabet, driverless cars, all of those people respect the opportunity. They all want to bring the opportunity to life. And my role really now is how do we make that opportunity and how do we make the Google solution and mission come to life in Africa? That's a great challenge and it's a great opportunity. And I'm surrounded by very smart, gifted, intelligent people who are also values driven, who like to respect each other, like to respect the opportunity and respect the user. So it's a great place to be in in trying to use the power of technology to bring about social change and more opportunities to Africans. You know, it's remarkable to hear you talk about what we discussed earlier in the session. You know, winning is as a result of, um, or rather a great reputation is a result of winning and strong values. And strong values are greater than winning. So how you win is important, or winning is important, but how you win will determine your reputation and tell us more about what your what what kind of value your values hold um and it's crazy to see how it's being applied in corporate spaces and everyday life and also in terms of like building a brand you essentially have to be ethical with the things that you do as well so i'm learning quite a lot on here today so yeah and speaking of startups you know what are the four to five key areas that a startup or a business or an, enter- or an entrepreneur should focus on to clearly differentiate their brand? I would say that the entrepreneur, first and foremost, should be solving something. Yeah. It starts there. What are you solving for? Because if you don't have this great solution, Everything else is just harder. It's harder to market. It's harder to raise funds. It just gets harder. So that's the first thing for me. Great solution. Or a solution that will continue being made great. Like at Google, we do lots of what we call dog fooding, lots of beta stage. We keep making the product continuous improvements on the product. So at least you might start with a solution that's 50% okay, but as long as it gets better every day, it just keeps getting better. That's the first part. It doesn't have to start with being 100% perfect, but at least it should be a solution that we all look at and immediately identify as, I need that. The second thing an entrepreneur needs or startup is great storytelling. You need to be a storyteller. Because remember, you are now having to go tell the story of this solution 
and this yeah. business. You need to be able to pitch it. You need to tell stories. Don't be boring. Don't be... <laughs> because remember, when you go and, and meet an angel investor or you go meet an investor, it's still a human being with a heart. They've got a gut. They've got a heart. They've got a brain. They've got feelings. They've got emotions. Just because they've got dollar investments, it doesn't mean that they don't have feelings and emotions. So you need to be able to pitch and your story should cover both the right brain and the left brain. Your story to be able to touch the heart and the feelings and the emotions as much as it should also touch the left brain, which is being rational, logical, all of that. So you need great storyteller in your team. If you're not a great storyteller as the founder, you better make sure that you've got a great story or invest in someone to help you tell the story better. Because that's what's going to get you. If you look at Steve Jobs and we look at him in his, how he tells stories, he told amazing stories on iPhone or MacBook or iTunes or any of the stuff that Apple launched. Remember, everything that Apple launched, there's nothing new. They, they actually provided a solution that already exists. But the, what did they do? They made it better. They made the computer desktop better. They then told the story better. You see, the, that's the second part for me is that you must have storytelling. The third one, like I listened to yesterday, I listened to Tyler Perry. You must have resilience. You must have resilience and emotional grit to stay at it longer. I mean, Tyler Perry, he talked about failing in his first show that he put together as a play. I think it was six to seven years. He failed. He flunked at it until maybe his eighth or ninth year, it became a success. But he kept on it. He kept making it better. He kept trying again. He kept going to have another job, collect, save money, go back and do it again. And that's just, I, I don't know if anyone can teach you to have grit and emotional resilience. You can't get into something and, and just do it once and then quit. You must have enough emotional resilience, but you cannot have emotional resilience if you don't believe. That's the fourth thing for me, then you have to have faith. Where your faith comes from, that's up to you. If it comes from religion, if it comes from whatever, but you must have faith. You must have faith and hope that, remember in the Bible it says like, faith is the substance of things we hope for, but evidence not always seen. So you have to have faith and you have to have hope that this thing is going to work. And then you have to be able to create a solution then you have to be able to tell the story well. Then you have to have the grit. Then you have to have faith. And then once you have these four things, then you just have to just have the money because nothing happens without money. This is, this is we are here on earth and we, only money moves stuff other than faith. Faith, the Bible says, Faith without action is empty. Right. Same. Faith without dollars is empty. <laughs> you need faith wrapped in a few dollars. 
and action. So you need the money. You need to raise the funds. You need to be able to raise that money to be able to make your business. So I would say for me, it will be all the things I've counted, which all center around first, have a solution. Secondly, be a storyteller. Thirdly, greet emotional resilience. Fourthly, have faith and hope. Fifth, money. You, you, you need the money. And you need little of it or more of it, depending on your solution. And your solution will dictate how much investment you need. But you do need money. So those would be the five things I would say are the first things that I believe that a tech startup or an entrepreneur should have. And then you can have all other things like marketing, great sales, great HR people. But first and foremost, the first five you need as a foundation. This podcast is brought to you by Venture by AOU, a free course for entrepreneurs. Do you want to know how to overcome entrepreneurial challenges from real life experiences? Well, Venture is an online course designed for young and aspiring entrepreneurs. It features more than 10 AOU entrepreneur leaders who will guide and inspire young entrepreneurs. You can find Venture on venture.aoueducation.com. Once again, venture.aoueducation.com. Venture course for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. Now back to our conversation. So speaking of how Apple do things better, I think you agitated some of our Android listeners today. Don't be happy to hear that Apple did something better than Android. Um, I think you also talked about failing forward from Tyler Perry's story. And I think that's very important for people to recognize as well in building, you know, your business or building some sort of grit and character. And also, you know, chasing ambition when you know, you're looking forward to accomplishing something. So yet another gem, I suppose. And you know, in terms of risk mitigation and management, um, it's essential in a business, especially when a brand loses its appeal to users or certain brand strategies uh, backfire. When should one know um, it's time to fold a certain campaign, and more importantly, how should they address any brand damage done? I think the first thing is, if you are the entrepreneur or you're running a business, and or let's say you're a marketeer, your job is to know the user. Your second job is to know the product very well. Right. And that means the only way you're going to know the user is you need to stay curious. You need to be in market. You need to be listening to people, watching people, observing people, trying to understand why they do the things they do, gathering data on what, when, who, how, and then be able to translate that data into why and be able to constantly listen to your user, to your consumer, constantly. That means you do it daily. The only way you're going to know there are issues is when you have daily conversations with your potential users, existing users, and you just keep listening. You keep listening and you keep taking that feedback seriously and you convert it into insights. Then you convert it into ideas and solutions. That's the first part for me. The second part is you must know your product. That means constantly asking for feedback on your product or your solution, constant feedback so that you can continuously improve the solution 
or the product. You just continuously improve. And now once you are, you have your finger in the pulse and you have the finger in the market, you will know that there's issues. And then you can, then what you do well is be honest with the consumer. Because the consumer, there's an old saying, I think it's Ogilvy who said it, is that the consumer is, is not stupid. The consumer is your mother. So if you treat the consumer like you treat your parents, your parents are not stupid. They know when you're lying. They know when you're being unfaithful. Or your partner in a relationship is not stupid. They know when you are being deceitful or you are fornicating or you are doing things that are evil or unethical. So the best way to have a relationship, a long-term relationship, it has to be founded on trust. It has to be founded on respect. So what that means is when you've done wrong, you're quick to go to the consumer and admit when you've done wrong and apologize and, and then solve it immediately. You have to be solving it immediately. Then you have to go back. This is not rocket science. It's, it's the same even with relationships. You should treat marketing and your business the same way you treat your relationship. I mean, if your partner has done you wrong, what do you want? You want atonement. You want confession. You want reparations. You want a solution. And then you want them not to do it again. And it's the same thing. And I don't know why all of a sudden we complicate marketing or we complicate business when we do it every day in our relationships. The way you do things with your relationship with your loved ones, with your parents, with your partner, with your best friends, is the same thing you should be doing with how you run your product, how you run your business, how you run your brand. You should constantly be thinking, how do I not destroy trust? How do I manage doubt? We all know that if you're in a relationship and you have high levels of doubt, it affects trust. It affects engagement. You are more disengaged, disengaged when you have low trust. When your doubt is high, you might even break up with the person because you doubt them. And it's no different from when there's a crisis in a business because what you do is when you bring a crisis or a problem, you create doubt. And now the best thing to do is immediately be trustworthy, be respectful, own up, admit, be accountable, and then fix it. And hopefully do everything you can not to repeat it again or do it again. So with that said, what would you say is the biggest thing to note or like the biggest thing um, to keep in mind uh, when building a relationship with a consumer and differentiating that with, you know, making the relationship more transactional in a way? For me, it's the same tip I give to couples in a relationship. Consistency. Okay. Nothing beats consistency. Because you know when you have even friends... I love friends who are consistently just consistent. Even if I disagree with them, but at least I know that person is reliable and consistent. If you are inconsistent, you destroy doubt, trust. You introduce doubt in a relationship. So for me, the first key thing I've learned is 
being consistent matters and you have to be consistent because consistently consistency breeds trust it breeds forgiveness because if you're consistent and let's say i've been consistent for a whole month or whole years and then i make a mistake it's easy for savannah to say okay i can cut him some slack because he's been consistent and he's never done it before let it let me give him a benefit of doubt let me assume good intentions but it's very difficult to assume good intentions and give benefit of doubt where there's inconsistency great i think these are things we can apply in our personal lives and it's um great you've used all these analogies to apply in our workspace and our homes as well um so one of your beliefs is that to be young or free and gifted that opportunity is a devil's gift and to to deny that opportunity is criminal in august 2008 you founded african men's care association so that's amc and for the last 12 years you've addressed issues to do with absent fathers negative role models elevated school dropout rate unemployable black youth and just to mention a few what kind of progress has been made so far and what kind of support do you need to achieve your vision and mission so thank you very much for that i i do believe that to be african or black and young and gifted and politically free right without opportunity is a devil's gift because what's the point of freedom without opportunity freedom has to come with opportunity and that i believe that those whom much has been given much should be expected Absolutely. so my role is i grew up in the favelas i grew up in places like kibera in kenya or places like in nigeria where you see um poverty or in south africa shacks and places so my job now that god has been kind to me that my job is as i rise i must lift and you must lift as many people up with you and you must not wait to be wealthy before you do it you must do it with the little that you have that's why i believe in the concept of tithing but i i'm not a church religious person so i don't tithe to church but i tithe to a good cause and i created this good cause because i believe in education as a ticket out of poverty and what we've done so far we've had a few kids who have now graduated some are engineers some now are in business and they've graduated and we've taken them from grade zero to end of high school we've paid for their university fees we provide them with counseling and therapy psychosocial therapy we also make sure they've got a social worker and we also give them extra cur- curriculum tutors we also do life skills with them so all the help we need really is more people to fund the organization more funding so that we can help more kids and so that we can help more kids get out of poverty and also we can remove the stumbling blocks for talent and we can provide more opportunities to talented kids who all they need is all talent wants is to be used but the only way talent can be used is for it to get opportunities and my role really with african men care is give as many opportunities to talented young black gifted and free 
youth and kids and let them be able to realize their, their talents here on earth so that we can all have a heaven on earth moments rather than wait for thy kingdom to come. Why can't it be here? Why does it have to wait? I don't like this concept of we're waiting for some heaven with gold-plated streets. It doesn't make sense to me. I like the heaven that we can create here on earth. And I like that heaven more than the heaven of an afterlife. And I want everyone to have a heaven on earth experience so that if there is a heaven, then we don't get there and we become intense. At least we can get there and become managers and directors because we've had enough training here on earth. To, you see, so that's really, and the only help we need now is more funding, more funders, so that we can have more kids. And also I want to be able to take the organization because it says African men care for a reason. And the reason we said Africa, we start in South Africa, but now we want to be able to branch out to other countries, Kenya, Cote d'Ivoire, Congo, you name it, so that we can be useful and helpful to all Africans. Thank you for that. And, you know, I think it's really important for us to know that you've encompassed what it means to be holistic and whole in a corporate industry, um, as well as sharing us your expertise in marketing, you know. I'd like to say thank you for being with us today and welcome to the AOE podcast community. Uh, you know, I think uh, that's all the time we have for today, but by all means, let us know where we can reach you as well as AMC. Super. They, thank you very much. Thanks to you and the team. And they can find me mostly if you just Google Mzamo Masito, you can see <laughs> where you can find me on LinkedIn or Facebook or or even on 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 Google itself at Google and you can then ping me or send me an email or send me a DM and also you can find African Men Care on africanmencare.org.za and it's also online so that also then you can read a lot about what we do there and I'm really keen in seeing Africa rise again and I'm keen in seeing especially um, the youth, especially you guys, and I hope that it is your intention and hope in life that you will make Africa great again and that Africa has been great before. Don't forget that. Before colonization and before apartheid and before slavery, Africa was great. And now we need your generation to help us make Africa great again and help Africa rise again while Africa also helping the rest of the world. So when we solve for Africa, we don't just solve for Africa, but we can also solve for the rest of the world. There are many things that were invented here that ended up being used by the rest of the world. So we can do it again. It's possible. We've built the pyramids before. We've built things that others are still trying to understand how we did it. So it's possible that we can do greater things again. So I'm just hopeful that with you and your generation, we, you can also make Africa great again. Right. Yeah. Thank you so much for that. All right. Then. And that was Amzamo Masito. Remember, the customer is not stupid and faith without money is dead as well.
We would like to thank Mzamo for making this a safe space to express himself as he did today and check out the AMC, that is the African Men Care Association, and see how best to contribute to the mission and vision of the association. With that said, thank you so much for listening to today's episode. You can find us on Spotify, Anchor, and Apple Podcasts for exclusive access to all the gems of knowledge we drop there. Remember to subscribe to this podcast on your preferred platform. This is the AOU Podcast, Entrepreneur Leadership in Africa, Real Stories, Real Experiences.